Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters, and I am your host for this podcast. My co-host is Taylor Fulton, the Director of Marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good evening. Hello, good to be here. I am uh, really excited about our, our show tonight. Taylor, we have a good friend of Small Business Matters, uh, Rick Mayo, and a client of mine. I've known Rick for years, and I think he's going to have some great topics and, and takeaways for our members. And if you're lucky, he may even help you with some of the fitness issues that you've been having. <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, I'm, I'm excited to be on you guys, so thanks for having me. So with, without any further ado, Taylor, let me go ahead and introduce our guest, Rick Mayo. He's the founder and CEO of Alloy Personal Training Center. This dates back to 1992. He was like a kid at that point. And also the founder of Alloy Personal Training Solutions. Rick and his team with the Training Center, they conduct over 50,000 personal training sessions a year. In 2010, he created the Alloy Personal Training Center, which is a consulting and licensing company. It's a platform for Alloy business and personal training systems. Taylor, they've got over 2,000 clubs that they've worked with that, that use their software. Rick is also a featured speaker at conferences domestically, internationally. Taylor, he was just telling me he was just out in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can you imagine that? Mm. Uh, speaking on how to best sell and service personal training, leadership, and trends within the fitness industry. He's presented over 31 times just in the last 12 months, including a keynote in Australia, which is my dream to be able to do. And as a subject matter expert in personal training, he's written a lot of articles on the business of fitness for different trade journals, contributes regularly to national publications like Men's Health, which you and I both read. He sits on the board for the Georgia State Exercise Science Department, as well as the Atlanta School of Fitness. He's a certified personal trainer. He's a think tank advisor, Taylor, kind of like a, almost like a Vistage group that he runs for owners of uh, fitness centers. And it's also rumored, and it, this is just a rumor, that Rick was Madonna's trainer back in the day. And so we may have to inquire about that. Let's give a nice warm welcome to our, our guest, Rick Mao. Rick, thanks for being on the Small Business Matters podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. So, Rick, the question we always start with is, what is it that you do that matters to small business and to small business owners? No, that's a great question. I think a uh, relevant question. So, we actually license our business systems, sales systems, and honestly, training systems to other small businesses worldwide. So, when you mentioned earlier that we've got a licensed product, uh, you know, a licensee for us, for, for your listeners, is really like a franchise light. So we will power someone else's small business with our systems and run behind their banner. And if those any of your listeners know anything about fitness, we fly behind every brand from CrossFit to Gold's Gym to Anytime Fitness and, and, and many others. So what we're trying to do that we think matters is help the businesses help their end users. So when you really look at what we do, we're really proud of the fact that we help business owners make more money and run successful businesses. And what we feel like is a noble field where you can really go home and put your head on the pillow at night and know that you've really changed lives. You know, if you're selling widgets or whatnot, I mean, I'm sure there's a way to back into that conversation about like, man, eh, it's much easier to, you know, to use said widget. But we literally are helping businesses help other people change their lives. And we feel really good about that. So, 
you know, I hope that answers the question, but, um, I mean, shoot, we, we work with small businesses all day, every day, and, and we consider ourselves a small business as well. That's great. Yeah, Rick, that's a, that's a great answer and kind of leads me to my, my next question is, how did you get to this point in your career and what were some of the major milestones? I started my original gym when I was in college. You know, I was bouncing around to at different uh, sort of client homes and different clubs. And I was just personal training and it was just a way, it was a great way to, to earn, you know, income and pay my way through school. And I had this novel idea that, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could, you know, bring all of these sort of experiences around personal training and put them inside of four walls, right? Control the entire experience around it. And selfishly, so I wouldn't have to drive all over town. You know, would that work? Could you open a brick and mortar facility dedicated to at the what at the time was a really rare service. Not many people even knew what it was or what we were doing. As a matter of fact, when we first opened, we spent most of our time just explaining what a personal trainer was, right? I mean, your dad can remember having a personal trainer in the 90s, early 90s, was a bit like having a tennis pro in the 80s. You know, you kind of got the eye roll or maybe the, the older ladies might raise their eyebrows like, woo, <laughs> woo, woo, you know, that kind of thing. It was sort of like, ooh, really? You know, it's like, oh boy, here we go. You know, not, not really seen as a real job, if you will. And, um, you know, we kind of hit the market at the right time with the right product, you guys. We jumped in and then coaching and personal training became more popular over the next few years. And we had a couple of really banner years in sort of 97, 98. You know, looking back on our revenue per square foot back then, it was higher than, it's, uh, than it is now. I mean, than it's ever been. And we thought we had it all figured out. And um, we had a, a bit of a hiccup in our business due to lack of solid business systems. And it almost sank us, honestly. I mean, I thought I was going to have to get a real job, right? I mean, who gets to wear sweatpants to work every day? It's like, this can't be real. It's over. But, you know, shoot, I had a mortgage and two kids at the time. So it's like, well, you better, you better learn how to do business. And so we pulled up our bootstraps. We systemized everything that we did and it took us about uh, 18 months to scratch our way back. We evolved. We expanded several times, expanded our product offerings, service offerings, and then about 10 years ago, we had a, a Gold's Gym guy, which is, you know, we were a training club, so like a studio, if you will, think of it that way. That Those guys were more membership clubs, big, right? And we had a guy from our market come in and say, look, can you take what you're doing for training, because you're doing this cool model and all this revenue, and drop it into my club to replace what we have for a, for a personal training and coaching department? And it was like, at the time, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. Like, you're those guys, we're these guys. You know, that's our market position. But it was a very interesting question, intriguing, if you will, as a project. So we cleaned up our systems. We built an online platform. And, and it went over really well in this one club. And this was an influential guy in the industry. And the next thing you know, fast forward to now, we've got these clubs all over the world. And I spend most of my time, you know, traveling around and speaking and trying to help as many clubs as I can. So it, I would love to say, Taylor, that like, man, I got into this to, you know, I wanted to open my own gym and I wanted to take those systems and expand them all over the world. But that was not the case. It literally took someone coming into my club and beating me over the head with it and asking me to give it to them, you know, for me to realize that it might be a thing. And then uh, lo and behold, it's turned into the, the biggest part of our business. Rick, I want to follow up on that because I, I really find this interesting that, you know, kind of smooth sailing and then all of a sudden it's like the, the, the floor went out from underneath you and you reorganized the business. It almost sounds like you almost had to start over. What was that like? And, and maybe give us an example. When you talk about you had to systemize the business, help our listeners understand maybe what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, what it felt like was a, the biggest, maybe the entire pie, you know, not a piece of humble pie, not a slice of it. Like someone hit you in the face with the entire pie because you thought, you know, when you're making money and things are going well and market conditions are right and all thing, all the stars are aligned, you know, you might get the idea that you're pretty smart. Right. And then when things get off kilter, it's like, oh, you know, you're really not. And so I think for any, if anything, it was a slap in the face and, and a little bit of an eye opener that like, well, you're not really as good as you thought you were. You were as good as you had to be. And that wasn't very good. Right. So in scratching our way back, Tim, and, and building systems, it, it really just started with our core products. I mean, it's embarrassing to admit now as much coaching as we do and systematic as we are, but we really didn't have any. We simply hired rock stars and let them do their job inside of our business. You know, we didn't own our processes. You know, it was it were our customers. I had all the liability and all the risk, but we just hired really great coaches and rock star dietitians and all these sort of supporting roles around fitness and just kind of let them run their business in our business. And we monetized it but we didn't control it. And so when we scratched our way back, we started with the most basic systems, which is, you know, what happens when a new customer comes to our club? You know, how do we induct them and where do we steer them? And then we control the product. So we'll control the program design for that client. You know, what's the sales system look like? And it was literally everything. I'm embarrassed to admit, we didn't have a whole lot in the way of systems. We just had a group of sort of independent rock stars, and we hit the, again, the right market at the right time. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does. And, and Rick, my guess is you would be more embarrassed had you not made the changes and had you not been able to pull yourself uh, out of that situation. So you have got several different companies, the owner, CEO, and like most business owners, I'm sure you wear different hats. You have different roles within these different companies. If you were to put together a job description for yourself, what do you see as your most important role within the organization? Yeah, I would say thought leader. And what I mean by that is what I've come to realize what my real job is, is it's really to sort of look at things from what I would describe as crop duster height, right? Try to figure out where we're going next, right? So you got one eye on the future. It's like Wayne Gretzky said, right? Like what made him great is he didn't skate to where the puck was. He skated to where the puck was going, and I love that statement. You know, that's what made him a good hockey player when he wasn't so athletic. And so that's kind of the CEO's job, right? Your job is to decide what's next or where the direction of the company's going and really to then convince your team that you're going in the right direction, that you can probably get there quicker than they think that you can, and you can probably do it better than the team thinks that you can. So I, I think ultimately as the CEO of companies or a company – that's that's the ultimate role. Obviously, if you're smaller, you're going to sit in more functional seats and have to, you know, maybe do finance or whatever the things are that you do. But as you grow, that's going to evolve as, as your biggest role is just making sure that you've got the company on track, that you're selling that vision. Everyone's fully bought in and then just hire great people, get out of their way and let them do their job. Rick, one thing that you said that I loved was that you really set the vision for the company and, and you convince people which seems to be uh, oftentimes easier said than done. So I'm curious from your experience, how did you lay out that vision? And then maybe more importantly, how did you convince your team that this was the right path? Yeah, well, you're right. Listen, we don't even, and our company's relatively small. So I think it's probably easier for us, but it's still not easy. So Taylor, you're 100% right. So really it's about 
you know, it's, it's about educating your team as to why you're going there. And a lot of it is X's and O's and blocking and tackling and financial and these things, but a lot of it's intrinsic, right? So you can't go in this day and age, obviously in, in the current market conditions and, and just say, Hey, we're going to go here because we're going to make this kind of margin. And, you know, these are the numbers that we're going to hit it has to be about something bigger. So everyone knows sort of what we do and, and we talk about our end product and how it helps people. So everyone is on board to help more people, if that makes sense. And then to get them bought into how we get from here to there is simply giving them a meaningful reason why. And I'll give you an example. So change is really hard, and we're going through a lot of change now. We're pivoting from one business model to a completely different business model. So how do you get buy-in there? A lot of the buy-in is just allowing them to feel what they feel around change, right? A, one of our core values is embrace change. So you can't even fit in our organization if not if you're tolerant of it, you literally have to embrace it. it. means that you're looking for it, right? So we have to hire those people on the front end. But at the end of the day, you've got to let them own sort of the difficulties around change. So as an example, we showed a great video about a guy talking about change. And I said, hey, Tim, you might have even turned me on to it, right? And it was the video about talking about, you know, you can't have change without loss and you can't have loss mm-hmm. without grief. And, mm-hmm. and right, so you got to walk through this because change is really difficult. And these are your foot soldiers that are out in front of your customers. And that's where those difficult conversations are happening. So I think to answer your question is to gather that sort of knowledge, right? And pass it on to your team so that they're equipped with the right tools, the right mindset to be able to make change in themselves, in the company, and and certainly as as it pertains to your customers. Yeah, Rick, you remind me one of my favorite quotes is, change is easy. You go first. (laughs) (laughs) that's basically it right so what you have to do is sit in the room and and sell that vision the best you can why you're going there why it's best not only for everyone in that room but for the end users you know the the companies that we work with and their customers and then you've just got to talk them through understanding you know the difficulties around change because if you discount it you just plow through everyone it's difficult you know I i think for me it's my idea so it's very easy for me to sit back and say well duh i mean of course, we're going here, but I've probably been, you know, perseverating over this for six or eight months, and then I finally pull the plug on it. And to everyone else, it's out of left field. So you really got to let them kind of work through their processes, all the while pushing them to understand that we can get there again better and faster than you guys think we can. That's great, Rick. What What are some mistakes that you've made, uh, either as CEO or just as the company in total? And, and what are some of the biggest things you've learned in, in your experience with the company? I think the biggest mistake would be just lack of communication. I think it's it's really good as a CEO because leadership and, and driving change and, and vision, these become the most important things that you do. You really have to take a step back and understand how you communicate well and, and maybe where your gaps are. So, you know, my biggest mistake was assuming that because I had a really great idea, everyone just understood where we were going. And what would then happen would be a little bit of frustration, especially with my senior management team when they didn't get it right away. You know, I felt like my perception might be that I was getting a little bit of pushback and friction when really it was just me not fully explaining it in a way that that made sense to them. And I would just tend to move and think a little bit quicker maybe than some of those guys. And so, you know, it, it was a big mistake and it caused a lot of friction and there would be choke points, right, in our business, whether it was in communication from the senior team down or or even further down the chain if the message wasn't sold better downstream, if that makes sense. So I would say 
for me, worst mistake was underestimating that I needed to upskill myself before I could upskill my company, if that makes sense. Like we were only going to go as far as I could take us. And if I'm the tip of the spear and I'm the, you know, and I'm not doing my job or, or understanding my role and trying to upskill myself, we're only going to go so far. So that was probably something that was a little bit thick headed. took me a while to realize. Rick, I'm curious. You and I are about the same age, young, we'll just call it. Sure. You have a number of young people, Xers and, and millennials working for you. What do you find? What's different in terms of, of managing those different generations? And what have you found maybe for our listeners? What's what's worked for you? Well, I think, you know, if you look at data and whatnot, everyone talks about people being intrinsically motivated, right? It's got to be a bigger cause. So we do that well. And that's something that we just do because we like it. So as an example, you know, we give away a percentage of income based on how our company grows, whether it be in the licensing or the brick and mortars. So everyone in our team understands that the more we grow our business, the more people we're helping, not only are we helping business owners and their end users, but we're literally giving money to charity based on how our business is doing. And it's part of our overall business plan. So I would say that having a cause, you know, something outside of just you know, your, your, you know, profit and loss statement, which is kind of stale and boring, to be honest, is really important. Like is someone working for something bigger than themselves? Do they feel like they're contributing to the team? So very open lines of communication, you know, that sort of work life balance that maybe you and I look for Tim, or, or maybe we'll you know, work all day, every day. If we can, you know, make more money that maybe not be as important, you know, to the younger generation. So for those guys, it's like, Hey, look, my work is my life. So why don't you make it a little bit more pleasurable, right? So when you look at like new facility design, we're putting in like a ping pong table and a beer cooler and, you know, all kinds of things just to say, look, man, we love our work too. So we're all in this together. We're working as a team to do something greater than we are as, you know, I mean, shoot, our, our logos alloy, two pillars leaning on each other with the tagline stronger together. So, I mean, we really mean it. It passes all the way through from the brand down to actually what we're doing. And I think that really appeals to the younger crowd. So, I mean, I might be missing it, but I think we do a pretty good job of that. Rick, I'm just curious, where exactly is that beer cooler in the, in the office? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> you haven't had access to it. It's in that secret room in the back. So next time we're over, perhaps we'll have a look. Okay. Uh, Rick, I know you do a, a, you travel the country and you speak to full houses wherever you go. What one piece of advice are you sharing with other small business owners today that you find is, is for whatever reason, is really resonating? What's the best piece of advice that you can share with us tonight? I would say just keep the main thing the main thing, if that makes sense, right? I mean, you find business owners are entrepreneurs, and so it's very easy to you know, suffer from a shiny object syndrome or, you know, maybe not be able to do, you know, what Jim Collins said in, in Good Great by Choice was a 20-mile march, right? Like, just get up every day and execute the things that are working day over day and, and try not to let your crazy squirrel entrepreneur brain, right, just spew out all over your team. Sure, keep your eye out for where that puck's headed and be ready to pivot and keep that as a culture, right in your business but just you know don't don't get too far from your core business and what you're doing well and for goodness sakes if things are going well and people are doing good work just leave them alone so certainly in, in our business we find these wildly passionate entrepreneurs and man if they're not changing their mind and, and redirecting every week or two 
um, you know, then, then they would do pretty good. But that seems to be a big challenge. So I would just say stay focused. The larger you get, the easier that gets, by the way, maybe to a fault, right? Where you, you really can't turn a battleship as easy as you can a speedboat. But these smaller business owners, I would say for sure, stay focused and uh, keep the main thing the main thing. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business owners. Our guest tonight is Rick Mayo, the founder CEO of Alloy Personal Training Center and Alloy Personal Training Solutions. Taylor, we've now come to the favorite part for me of the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. So, Rick, we'll start with this. What is your favorite book? podcast, or blog that you recommend to any other business owner? The E-Myth Revisited, no doubt. Oh, good one. What's one fitness recommendation you would recommend to someone who maybe doesn't work out all the time or uh, spends a lot of time in the office? Strength train at least three days a week. Stay away from you know hours and hours of cardio and lean more towards strength training. That's what the science is telling us works these days. Mm. Oh, boy, I better change up my workout. Taylor, Taylor, all that running is not doing you any good. No. Hey, look, it's better than not working out, but it's it's not the panacea of health that we once thought it was. Man, heartbreaker. Okay. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> uh, rumor has it you played quarterback in high school. What is a modern-day QB you would compare yourself to? Oh, gosh. Um, who's the guy? I just watched a uh, – document uh, Ryan Leaf the biggest flop in the- <laughs> <laughs> I had his exact skill set which is why I'm talking to you about small business and not how many Super Bowl rings I have <laughs> that's great I, Taylor I've got to follow up on that one for a second because I know Rick uh, was a gifted athlete growing up played a lot of sports I'm, I'm just curious briefly how has that played out in your in your business career Rick or, or has it Oh, you know, I mean, geez, high school quarterback, like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how much. I mean, if anything, you know, maybe it just helps you. If you win or lose, it's your fault, which is not too indifferent from being, you know, a, a CEO, right? Win or lose, or, or better yet, if you win, it's the team's credit. And if you lose, it's your fault. That sort of comes with the territory playing quarterback as well. So, you know, I would say it's the only parallel, but it's so daggum long ago, Tim. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right. Taylor, please continue. Okay. Well, we'll get you out here on this, Rick. I heard that you love doing long motorcycle trips, and that's sort of a side hobby for you. Uh, describe your favorite trip or kind of destination that you've motorcycled through. Oh, that's a great question. I just got back, guys, from the South Island of New Zealand. I had a speaking gig over there for an hour and a half, and I, in my work-to-vacation ratio, got that worked out. I spent three weeks on a motorcycle. It's been an hour and a half working and then uh, flew back to the U.S. So I would say without a shadow of a doubt, the landscape and the lack of people, which is great for motorcycle riding, just wild, you know, wilderness and beautiful scenery. South Island, New Zealand was by far my favorite trip. I bet there's a lot of a lot of good reflection time uh, built into that. Yeah, they, there's a T-shirt that says you never see a motorcycle at a psychiatrist's office. And <laughs> uh, well, Taylor, I don't know about you, but I've got a, a full page of notes here. Rick, 
talked about, you know, when the business began to have some issues, his willingness to, to pivot, to systemize, to, to essentially call an audible uh, within his business, which then led it to then really grow. He talked about his role within the business being the visionary and, and creating the right story for his people to, to follow talked about the importance of communication up and down and through the organization and also the importance within and I love the example you know of having a cause within his company something above and beyond growth and sales and profit and the impact that has had in terms of of motivation how about for you Taylor any particular takeaways well all of that and I, I just love uh, the point about not only uh, tolerating change, but embracing it and building that into a core value of your business um, and then holding people accountable and, and hiring for that trade. Um, I think in today's day and age where change is, is so prevalent and quick, uh, it's just it's very important. I also learned that I need to have beer in the fridge and running is not doing me any good. So I have some other things to reflect on. If you've learned nothing, that's the most important thing, yeah. right? Rick, we may have to have you come back just to address those two those two issues for us. I can cover hours on drinking beer and lifting weight, guys. I'm your man. Rick, before we begin to wind down, I know some of our guests will want to reach out to you to contact you. What's the easiest way for them to find you? Yeah, shoot, I'll just give you my email direct. So it's rick at teamalloy.com. Rick at TeamAlloy.com, and I encourage our, our listeners, Rick is always happy to, to help other small business owners, and I'm sure he'll be willing to connect with, with any of you that, that feel like you could use some help or maybe just want to connect with Rick for whatever reason. Our time always goes way too fast. I want to thank you for, for being with us this evening. Hey, listen, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Taylor, a lot going on in Small Business Matters. You want to maybe uh, highlight a few of the things for our listeners? Well, we're just coming off a great 2019 Small Business Matters conference, and I'd like to thank everybody who, who joined us last Friday for that, for that day. Um, hopefully, we'll have some, some content coming out either in a future newsletter or on the website um, so people can kind of see what all went there. And other than that, we'll just have some more podcasts rolling out throughout the past few weeks and uh, looking forward to kind of having some downtime in the summer. Taylor, you're right. We had over 200 guests at the Small Business Matters Conference at the Sandy Springs Performing Arts Center. We had 10 speakers. It was a, like a TED event. Great energy. Good to see a lot of friends and, and colleagues there. I want to thank everyone that, that helped us out with, with that event and can only look forward to the next one in, in, in 2020. Hard to believe. All right. Well, I want to thank again Rick Mayo, our guest tonight. Taylor, great job. Uh, I want to thank our, our listeners for tuning in to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. 